had a difficult boss or someone that you just had difficulty getting along with? Boy, I sure have. Have you ever had one of those coworkers that you just wanted to just maybe have them go sit in the closet? <laughs> yep, it happens. How about you say something and then after you say it, you're like, ah, why did I say that? Or you're not sure what to say when someone is trying to intimidate you or control you. But then later on, all of these great things come out. Yep, I've had that happen too. These are some of the things that we're going to cover today. Also, have you ever been frustrated by coworkers that just aren't getting their project done? We're also going to cover that. So, are you excited? Let me hear from you. Ah, thanks. Appreciate it. So, but first of all, I want to thank you for being here with me today. I want to thank you for being on and listening and for all your comments that come in. I so appreciate those. And I want to thank you for just listening and being a part of this community. Let's go over some of the benefits of listening or paying attention or being here with me today. First of all, we're going to learn how to increase your personal value. I had someone ask me the other day, what exactly is personal value? And I want to thank Shelly for sending in that question. It was on Twitter. Thanks, Shelly. I appreciate that. Personal value is the value that you place on yourself. Um, Some people call it self-esteem. I call it personal value because I also talk about perspective, planned responses, and practice. So personal value is the same thing as self-esteem. Thank you so much for that question. And we're also going to talk today about how to increase production, how to increase getting more done in less time, more efficiency. I was a waitress for many years when I was going through college, and it you can always tell who the efficient waitresses are because they come to your table with everything. They make sure that they're bringing stuff out, and you love sitting at an efficient waitress or waiter's table. And... If they're not efficient, you find yourself sitting and waiting. So how do you increase production? We're going to cover that today as well. How about increased happiness? Everybody wants to be happier, right? I sure do. I love being happy. It's a lot better than being sad. But you'll learn how to take care of that today also. Last week we covered stress a little bit and how to decrease it. Today we're going to touch on that again, but not as extensive as we did last week. If you want to hear that replay again, um, shoot me an email, let me know, and I'll make sure you get that, okay? Let's talk a little bit about personal value. I described it briefly, but let's talk about it and spend a little bit more time on it because it is at the foundation of everything that we talk about. The foundation of everything you do is personal value. But at the foundation of that is a decision that you make. I have interacted with just beautiful and incredible people, people who Miss Utah, uh, her and I were friends, the former Miss Utah, sorry, I apologize, the former Miss Utah and I were friends, and and she had gone on, and we were sitting and talking, and she was talking about how she didn't think she was very pretty, 
And I remember thinking, why why would someone who just won a prestigious beauty award not think they're very pretty? And the more I studied and the more I got into it, uh, students, uh, my participants, uh, book research, I realized that your personal value is a decision that you make. It's a decision that you make. Maybe you make it every day. Maybe you make it every second. I've had this conversation with my daughter also about, Mom, it's not as easy as just a decision. Nothing changes after the decision. I said, yeah, that's true. You have to change it after that. But it starts with a decision. And you may have to make that decision every minute of every day until it becomes a habit. And then you don't have to worry about it anymore. Let me sh- let me share with you um, a little bit about what's going on. This is a is my husband and I, and it was when we were married twelve years ago. And every day I fall more and more in love with him. It's not because he's changing. I, I, okay, so yeah, we're changing, we're growing, we're evolving. But the biggest thing is, is that I become more and more comfortable with myself. And so I believe him when he tells me that he loves me. That's what personal value can do for you. It allows you to believe other people's positive, fulfilling comments to you. If you don't believe it, they have no effect on you. That's part of the bully-proofing step, is believing the words from the people that you care about and disregarding the words from people that you don't want to hear. So it's a decision that you make, an action that you take. I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to think about it for just a second, and, you know, shoot me your responses and stuff, but... Do you believe that you are good at your job? Okay, let's take it one step further. Do you think that you are great at your job? Because whether you answered that, yeah, I'm okay, or yeah, I'm great, or yeah, I'm constantly trying to get better and improve myself, all of those go into your personal value, your image of how you see yourself Or perceive yourself at work. If you think you're good at your job, you're more likely to be better at your job. Isn't that crazy? Your belief replays itself all of the time. Now, if you think you're great, then you're more likely to become better and better. If you think you're not very good, if you think, you know what, I kind of suck at my job, At that point, you have a decision to make. Are you going to get better and learn what you need to learn, or are you going to continue to suck? I don't know how many times I've been in work situations with people, and they complain about their work environment, or they complain about coworkers, or they complain about you know, the drive or whatever, never realizing that they have the power inside of themselves to change that. So I'm going to be a little bit rude and get in your face for a little bit. And I'm going to ask you, are you complaining about work? Are you complaining about coworkers? If you are, that's okay. That's awareness. But the next step is, 
What are you doing about it? What are you doing besides complaining? Are you studying and learning and getting better at your job? Have you identified the number one person at work and asked them for help? Or do you just sit back and think that person is a jerk and you don't want to associate with them? Your perspective and your personal value are the underlying foundation to how well you do at work. Let me know how I can help you with this more. If if this is kind of a difficult concept and we cover it all the time because it is kind of difficult and because usually the people that don't get it are the ones that don't believe it. And if you can start, just just try it this week. Just try something new and see if you change your perspective how others change theirs. And we'll, we'll go further into that. But the bottom question is, is do you believe you're good at your job? Yes or no? That's where it starts. Here's another question. When are you the most productive? When do you get the most done? Is it early in the morning? Is it in the afternoon? Everybody has a cycle that they cycle through. However, the most productive is when you're the happiest. It doesn't matter what time of day it is. It doesn't matter what your natural cycle is. If you are happy and you are positive, you are more productive. It's as simple as that. And you may be going, now wait a minute. How do I become more productive? How do I become more happy? I'm having all this trauma and all this stress in my life. Well, you have to decide to be more happy. There we go with that decision again, right? Yep, it's a decision. And then it's once again action that you take. So think for a moment about the last time you got a lot done. Maybe you had a bunch of paperwork you had to get done. Maybe you had uh, some videos you had to shoot. That's the one thing that I tend to put off in my business is shooting the videos that I need to shoot because it's a lot of work. But once I get it done, I always feel great. And they're fun. They're a lot of fun to do. I love doing those. My daughter is part of my video audio visual crew, whatever you call them. I don't even know what you call them. But she's a part of that, and it's fun. Her and I have a lot of fun. Someday I'll share my gag reel with you. It's hilarious. (laughs) It makes me giggle just thinking about it. So that's how you get more productive. Think of moments that you enjoyed that made you laugh and start there. Your mood dictates how much you get done. I know that there are times when I will sit here and I'll just think, oh my goodness, i got to make my 50 cold calls. Cold callers aren't fun to make. I don't know how many of you make those. If you're into sales or whatever and you just have to pick up a phone book or I get some uh, listings off the internet and you just pull out a list of phone numbers and start calling people. Those are tough. But if before I start, I think of something that I have succeeded in Right now, as you all know, my ABC interview is coming out Monday, 10 o'clock in the evening, here in Utah. I'm so excited. That's something that I pull up. It's a huge success for me. When I look back at where I was 
when people told me I would never make it through elementary school, let alone high school, college, have a successful career teaching and now training others and facilitating knowledge and learning, I would never have believed it. But now looking back, I'm like, wow, I've done a lot. And so you pull those wins to you, whatever they may be, and you hold them in your mind and you think about them and you enjoy them and you feel them and then you pick up the phone and you make the call or you pick up the paperwork and you dive in. Simple Truths has a book called Eat That Frog First, right? If you've got something big that you don't want to do, start there. But first, start with your attitude. If you sit there looking at it and going, I don't want to do this, this sucks. It's going to become more and more difficult. But if you start that activity and you start with a mindset of, I can do this, I got this. It becomes much easier and you will be much more productive. If you're dreading something, let's say you're at work and all of a sudden you find yourself by the water cooler or going to the bathroom and you just went to the bathroom 15 minutes ago. You're probably dreading something. Remember awareness. Become aware of why you're not doing what you're supposed to do and then become productive. Help yourself feel better and then move forward. So, this comes from Mike. So we're going to talk briefly about Mike. And no, it's not the same Mike that was on on the other comments. This is a new Mike. There's a lot of Mikes out there. But Mike says that he is most productive in the morning because he gets up and he exercises and that gets him in a positive mood. Thanks, Mike, for sharing. I appreciate that. If exercise helps you get productive, I know it helps me. It helps Mike. I bet it helps someone else out there, too. If you're having some difficulty, get started. Do some push-ups. Do some jumping jacks. Go for a walk. Just take five minutes. Don't let it become a procrastination technique, okay? I know. I know what you're thinking. I got to go for a walk to get more productive. Okay, but don't turn it into a two-hour walk to where then you're not being productive again. Okay? Use these little tips and techniques to help you become more productive. And it starts with what? I got to hear you say it. That's right. A positive attitude. Okay? Feeling powerful. When are you the happiest? We talked briefly about that for a moment. But now I want you to dig a little bit deeper. I'm going to share a moment with you when I that I enjoy, and I just participated in it briefly with my mother. Oh, I love to color, and I remember when I was a little girl, her and I would lay on the floor and color. Well, now roles are a little bit reversed. We don't lay on the floor anymore, and she moved in with me, and so now she's the one scribbling outside the lines, but I still enjoy coloring with my mom. The simple things that make you feel good, those are the times I'm talking about. Because you can grow those moments into jumping and shouting for joy. Now some people show happiness with just a smile on their face. Some people like to jump and be loud about it. It's your way. How do you show it? How do you feel it? 
I tend to be a little bit wild and crazy. My whole family does. That's just kind of how we are. But some people aren't. And I get that. I understand that. I'm not here to tell you how to show your happiness. I'm here to ask you, how do you get happy? How do you feel strong and powerful? Tap into that. Anchor that. In sports, they'll use the fist pump or or a smack on the back or whatever. How do you show it? Yes, I feel great. Or smiling at yourself? I don't know. Send me, send me some information on how you find out where you are the happiest. This comes from Shannon. Shannon says he's happiest when he is making armor. That's cool. I actually know Shannon. This is a personal friend of mine. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about Shannon. He does incredible armor. You know, like suits of armor for knights? It's incredible. And he loves to go out into his shop and make suits of armor for people. He has friends. It's part of a fraternity thing that he makes, and that's how he makes his living. It's incredible. He's an incredible craftsman. But that's when he's the happiest. And so, you know what? Every job has parts that you don't like. And so if you can think of the happy parts or the end part of it, he hates putting chain mail together, which I can imagine. It's He does it all by hand, link by link. That would be some of the not happiest. So what he thinks about is the finished armor and how good it will look and safety. So... There are, are are icky parts to work. How do you get through them? You think about when you're the happiest or you think about what it'll look like when it's done or the money that you'll make from it. Okay, so it's all about what do you focus on? How do you handle stress? We're going to shift gears for a moment. We're going to talk about stress because stress is 100% perspective and decision. Now, I know, I know, I heard it. Clear from across the country. What are you talking about? You are crazy. Stress happens naturally. You know what? It does, too. If you didn't have any stress in your life, you would be dead. What? What do you mean I'd be dead? Exactly. If you didn't have any stress in your life, you would be dead. If your body wasn't performing its functions properly... It causes stress. The question is, is do you allow your stress to overwhelm you and shut you down? Or do you allow your stress to empower you and make you more productive? Let me talk for a moment about two people that I love their music, but I heard a story about them. Let's talk first of all about Carly Simon. Carly Simon is a singer and a guitar player. And every time before she went out on stage, she would get sick to her stomach, she would get nervous, she would get scared, and she didn't want to go out. It would take everything possible to get her out on stage. Carly Simon is not still producing. You can still buy her records, but she's not continuing to put out music. And she hasn't for a very, very long time. She didn't have a very long career, I guess is what I'm getting at. Why? Because she gave in to the stress. 
Now let's look at another person. You guys know who the boss is? Yeah? The boss has been producing for what, like 30 some years? I don't know for sure. But he has the same feeling. He gets sick to his stomach. He gets nervous. He gets all agitated. But instead of giving into it, he sees it as a sign that he's ready to work. He's ready to go. He's ready for rock and roll. Same symptoms, two different perspectives. How are you viewing your stress? Are you viewing it as overwhelming and out of control and I can't handle this? Or are you, okay, I got this. This is a chance for me to step up and show what I'm made of. It's up to you. How are you viewing it? Just ask yourself that. All right? Stress has nothing to do with your daily life. It has to do with how you view your daily life. How are you viewing yours? It's just a question. But the answer is very powerful and very enlightening. Now, this is a shameful plug, shameless plug, whatever, for my book. Um, I spend a lot of time talking about these things in my book. But the reason I'm using this is because of the picture. The picture. This young lady is painting her gray skies blue. That's what I'm asking you to do. When you're viewing stress or overwhelm, how can you reframe it? How can you change it? It's up to you. It really is your perspective. Charles Swindle says, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. It's true. You can have two people in the exact same situation. One will thrive and continue to grow and become an incredible, amazing adult. The other may shrink back and disappear and ultimately take their own life. What's the difference? They're in the same situation. Everything's the same. The difference is their perspective. So, you may be asking, okay, Jeannie, this is all great information, but how do I change? I know that I have to, I'm kind of negative at work. I know that I get, that I get overwhelmed sometimes. Well, perfect. That's the first step. Awareness. Understanding that you need to change. Change is happening to you, whether you want it to or not. You just need to become aware of what you want to change. All right, awareness, step number one. Step number two is a decision. Okay, so I've realized I need to make a change. Now I make a decision. I'm going to change. I tell my husband, I'm planting seeds. And what that means to me is that I've become aware of something and I've made the decision. But I don't always have the follow-through yet. But I have the awareness. I've made the decision. And I'm starting to take action. And in that, it starts to become a habit. Or you start to roll the snowball. However you want to view it. But awareness, decision, action. So when I plant seeds, it means I'm becoming aware 
and I've made a decision and I'm starting to take action so that later on down the road I can reap the harvest from making a new decision. That's all you do. Awareness, decision, and action. Awareness, decision, action. How do you change? How do you change? Say it with me. Awareness, decision, and action, right? Thank you. Exactly. So, what I want you to do is give me a shout out and let me know how you are applying these in your life over the next week. Again, Facebook is Bully Proofing You or Genie Cisco Meth. Twitter is at Genie Meth. Or shoot me an email. Let me know how it's going. And I'll probably bring you up on an article or in a webinar or at some point. If you don't want me to share it, that's fine. Just let me know. Hey, Jeannie, this is just for you. I just want to let you know. If it's okay that I share it, let me know that too. All right. Thank you. I love audience participation. It helps keep us going. So this one comes from Rob. How do I change? Rob recently got a new job. That's exciting. That's really exciting. Think about that for a moment. He had the awareness that what he was doing wasn't working. And instead of continuing to stay there, he decided to get a new job. How cool is that? Scary. I know. Scary. But that's what he did. So thank you, Rob, for letting me know how it's going. Keep me posted. So far, he's just learning the ropes and learning how to do things. He's in the cognitive stage, so to speak. All the best to you, Rob. Let's hope that works out for you, okay? Let's talk for a moment about perspective. I found this picture. I thought it was perfect. Alrighty. The guy on the land is yelling, Boat! It's this little tiny island. He sees a boat. He's yelling, Boat! Yay! And the guy in the boat is yelling, Land! Yay! Two different perspectives, same situations, right? This will help you in so many things. We're going to spend a little bit of time talking about this. I know that we've talked a little bit about it so far, but it is so huge. So huge. What is your perspective when you're at work? What is your perspective when you're at home? And does it change depending on the activity or who you're with? If you're having difficulty with a coworker, or maybe you're having some difficulty at home in your family life, it doesn't matter. My question to you is, what is your perspective? As you look at the situation, are you looking at it with negative eyes? Are you looking at it as it's all their problem? Or are you looking at it as how can I be a part of this? I remember when I was working with other people and we had, people had a tendency, okay, let me explain my perspective and then I'll tell you how I changed it, okay? My perspective was I'm sick and tired of people taking stuff off my desk because it wastes valuable time when I have to go look for it. You know, when you're looking for a stapler. This was when I was a teacher. And you had very limited time to prepare your classes. I think some of you guys know uh, how many classes I was teaching. And when you have that many preps, 
every little minute is valuable. The other thing is, is my perspective is my time is precious. It's the only thing I can never replace other than my children and my husband. You can't replace people and you can't replace time. Everything else can be replaced. And so when I'm sitting down to my desk, or back then when I would sit down to my desk to get ready and I would have to go look for tape and pencil sharpeners, my three-hole punch, my you know staple, stapler, all of those things irritated me. That was my perspective. Because I had to go look for stuff and it wasted my time. That was my perspective. But when I spoke to other people to find out their perspective, why are you taking things off my desk? And that's exactly what I started going and asking people. Why are you taking stuff off of my desk? And the number one or the most frequently answered was, because your stuff is where I can find it. So their perspective was, well, Jeannie always has her stuff nice and organized. That comes from my time in the military. I like organization. It helps me know. I've, if it, it helps me so I don't have to look for things. So I keep things organized. And sometimes it doesn't look organized, but I know where everything is. But their perspective was, well, it's easier instead of looking for my stuff to go just take Jeannie's. And so as I continued to ask and find out everybody's perspective, that kept coming up. But then another person said, well, I don't have any. They were a new teacher that year, and they didn't have anything to use. And again, they knew where mine was and where to use it. And so I let people start to know why it bothered me so much that they took my stuff. It wasn't that they borrowed it. I don't care. I'll I'll loan stuff to people. But when I had to go look for it and they were wasting my time, they could understand that. They thought I was just a jerk because I didn't want to share stuff. It wasn't that. It was that I didn't want my time wasted. And by finding out their perspective and then saying, okay, you can use my stuff. I don't have a problem with that. Just put it back. And if you don't put it back, then there's a consequence. And the consequence we all decided on was a buck. You got to pay a buck. And at first a buck didn't didn't affect some people too much, but when I raised it to 5, my stuff always got put back. So though that's an example of how you can see why or what their perspective is. And you can share your perspective, and then you can come up with an answer. Because you're not very productive when you're running around looking for stuff, and they're not productive when they're sitting there thinking about what a jerk you are because you just came in and got after them for taking your stuff. That's just one example. There are many. So let me know how it's going with you. Here's a perspective from a former student that I had. And and he was sitting in my classroom. His name was Lee. And Lee, this was this was when I had not been teaching very long. And Lee had made a comment that he didn't get any homework done because he was helping out with some church stuff. 
And I know that church is very important with some people. Church isn't as important with me as my spiritual walk with God. To me, they're separate. A church, this is my perspective, okay? And I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of emails on this, and I'm okay with that because I like a lot of emails and, and comments, so bring them on. But my perspective is a church is man's interpretation of God, whereas my spirituality is my interpretation. And so, but this student had told me that they had had to do a bunch of stuff for their church. Now, that's the first excuse. But when we dug down a little bit deeper, we found out that he had conflict with his thinking and the way the church was telling him he needed to think. And that's what caused him to not to get his work done because he was spending time talking to people and trying to figure out a perspective that would match. And because of that, I gave him some extra time on his assignment because he was working on seeing someone else's point of view and being okay with that. And what it was, was the church had asked him to go help someone, and I don't remember what. It was, I think it was to help out at, a, at someone's house or something like that. And he said he had had other plans that day. He was supposed to go help a family member. And so he was caught between two commitments. That happens sometimes, doesn't it? You get caught between one commitment and a new one. And you're going to have to make a decision. I'm not going to make that decision for you. But I do suggest you find out what people's perspectives are. If I can't come help you today, can I help you tomorrow? Or if I renege on a commitment I've made to you, how does that make you feel? Now these work if the person is being honest and upfront with you. Not everyone is. However, you have to go with whatever they say. That's one thing we've really been working on here at our house is mean what you say and say what you mean. My son didn't get a pumpkin for Halloween because when I asked him, Max, do you want to carve a pumpkin? He's at that age. He's 16. You know, I wasn't sure if he wanted to carve a pumpkin or not. And so I asked him, Max, do you want to carve a pumpkin? And he said to me, uh, I don't care. So to me, I don't care means, well, not really, but if you're going to, you know, if you really want to. But then after Halloween, my mom asked him, Max, we didn't get a pumpkin. And he said, yeah, I wanted to carve a pumpkin. Or no, actually, my mom asked him why he didn't get a pumpkin. And I said, because he didn't want want one. And he said, no, I wanted one. And I said to him, that's not what you said. You said you didn't care. So you need to be willing to say what you mean and mean what you say. If he had said, yeah, I'd love to carve a pumpkin, guess what? We would have carved a pumpkin for Halloween. But instead, we're going to have a pumpkin with a turkey on it. So make sure when you're talking to people that they're being upfront with you and you're being upfront with them. Spend some time figuring out what you really like and what you really feel. All right? That's imperative. Again, remember, awareness. Awareness. Be aware of what you're at, where you're at. So, <laughs> so 
I want to I want to talk about this for a moment. It's just it's just another perspective. You guys all know who Pavlov is, right? Did the experiment? Uh, he would feed the dogs and ring the bell, and the dog would drool, and then pretty soon all he had to do was ring the bell, and the dog would drool, right? Well, what about the dog's perspective in that experiment, right? Maybe the dog was thinking, "Look, I'll drool." And he'll smile and write in his little book. (laughs) That's funny. So everybody in the situation has a perspective. That's what this is about. And we've talked about this before too. But everybody has a perspective. And each one is different. So while you're sitting at work and you're ticked off with a co-worker, they may not even be aware even be aware that first of all you're ticked off about something and you're not getting your work done the other perspective is you're ticked off and just sitting there not getting your work done maybe the boss sees that he doesn't know what happened before so be aware of all the different different scenarios or different universes as i call them that people are living and going through while you are in yours and when you start to look at other people and what other people are going through then you can start to change your perspective and move yourself from being upset or furious or not getting work done or overwhelm to be more productive to have less stress to enjoy yourself more to have more happiness And when you get curious about what's going on with the other person, then you move yourself already from that state of stress and and not knowing to a much more open and receptive. And you become more productive. You become more critical. You're more creative. I've said many times, and I learned this from Blair Singer, and it was one of the most powerful things Well, he taught me many powerful things. But one of them was, when emotion is high, intelligence is low. And so if you can come from a curious perspective instead of an upset perspective, you are much more intelligent. Remember when I asked you at the beginning if you'd ever said something that you shouldn't have said or not known what to say? That's because your emotion was high. And when you can bring that emotion down, your intelligence can come back up. And you don't know what the other person has been through. You don't know anything. Well, you may know a little bit. But if you get curious and ask them, then then it's, it's not a misunderstanding. Both of you can get back to work. Make sense? Awesome. Thanks. I appreciate it. All right. So let's have some planned responses for when someone says something and your emotion is high and your intelligence is low and you need a moment to just catch up. Okay. So planned responses are, are, things that you can pull out at any time you need they're they're prepared 
prepared sentences that you use. Questions or statements that come off right from the beginning so that you don't have to worry about what's going on. Something is said or something is done that caught you unprepared. So first of all, you've practiced stretching your comfort zone, right? You've practiced moving through that discomfort of when emotion is high, intelligence is low. You've done that. And then, now what you need is just just some something to get you through. So the first p- part is acknowledgement. You just, a simple thank you for sharing, or thanks for your opinion, or I hear you, give me a minute. I remember my son had an incident when he was younger that caught me totally off guard. And I had no idea what to do about it. Absolutely no idea. And so I said to him, I don't know what to do. This is not something I was prepared for as a parent. So just chill out for a little while. Try not to worry. I'll get back to you on what your consequence was. He was the most stressed out little seven-year-old I think I've ever seen. He did more damage mentally. Well, I wouldn't say damage, but I tell you, he ran through that scenario in his mind a lot more than I did. So by just having some responses that you can use that lets you off the hook, that brings that emotion down so your intelligence can come back up, makes things much less stressful. You're easier to deal with your co-workers. You're easier to deal with your boss. You know, when someone comes in, maybe you have a little cubicle, maybe you have an office, I don't know. But when they come in and they start yelling and yelling at you and calling you names, thanks for your opinion. I'll get back to you in a little bit. What do you think that does for someone? Yeah, exactly. They're not prepared for it, and it stops them, and they start to calm down. You've heard them. You don't need to listen to someone yell and scream at you. The first reaction is typically defense, and you want to get angry or upset or defend yourself. But if you go into defense, guess what? They go into more attack mode. Whereas if you can just kind of level or diffuse that situation by saying, thank you for sharing, or I'll talk to you in a little bit, or I'm not sure what to say. I've never had someone react that way. I'll get back to you. Then ask the question of yourself, why would a reasonable, rational person act this way? And that gets you curious and it gets your mind open so that you can handle the situation. Now you got to practice this, right? You got to practice. Practice some one-liners or practice some things that you can say in different situations. You can practice with a friend. You can practice, um, you know, with other coworkers. Because if you're having a problem with someone, chances are someone else is having that same problem. Or maybe you're the one causing the problem. I don't know. Maybe you're the one that shows up at work all ticked off and stressed out. Or at home. Some people are better at work 
than they are at home. I don't know where you fall. You got to figure that out. You're the one that has to become aware. But once you become aware and you make the decision and you start taking action, that's the practice stage. Because practice does not make perfect. Practice makes permanent. It's your job to measure, monitor, and adjust and make it perfect. All right? Spend some time practicing. Let me know how your practice goes. Because, once again, I've told you before, I tell you again, I like hearing from you. It keeps things going. I want to thank you once again for being with me today. I want to thank you for joining me and for participating. I want to thank everybody who sent me comments that I used this week. Uh, Mike and Rob and Shelly and Shannon and Lee. Thank you so much for those comments and letting me share them. I appreciate it. You guys have a fabulous day. Keep your comments coming, and we will see you at one of my events or on another webinar or another podcast in the future. Thanks again. Have a great day. Bye.